Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hockey fans, are you ready to Brave the Wild? With me, your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Brave the Wild is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podman, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Audible, Double Twist, and even Podbean's working now. Podbean did connect. It took like a month or two. Sometimes those RSS feeds just kind of do their thing. They dance around, and sometimes they work right away, sometimes they don't, but... Same with trade deadlines. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Joining me today, so it's going to be an unconventional show. It's not going to be me babbling on and on and on about, uh, uh, you know, game previews and reviews and such. Derek Feltka jumps on board at Crease and Assist. The legend himself joins <laughs> Brave the Wild show. Welcome on board. Well, thanks for having me. I've never been called a legend before, so <laughs> already I'm feeling like there's a lot of pressure for me to bring it. Otherwise, uh, I'll lose that status. And I don't know, no one wants to not be called a legend anymore. If yeah. you've been called it once. Yeah. Look what I've done. Yeah. Not here. Now. You're the Mark Andre Fleury, right? <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> mm-hmm. It'd be a nice addition to the, to the show. Look what I, and look what I've done. I've already, I've already let the cat out of the bag. Like who could we possibly be talking about today? I don't know. Well, it's it's kind of a big deal, I guess, as they'd say. Mm-hmm. Kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. It certainly is. As the main topic today, of course, will be the trade deadline, and uh, we're going to go down memory lane a bit with trade deadline signings, trades, stuff like that. A lot of disappointing ones, of course. Uh, stuff like that. Cam Talbot going back to being a backup again, but could be a damn good one. The Jack McBain situation. Oh, goody. <laughs> Kakinen's no longer with the Wild, this and that, so... And, of course, it'll be a very, very, very strong uh, fan interaction segment. I'm still debating on the fly here if I should make it a one-segment, just a one-segment palooza or a two-segment deal where we kind of talk a little bit and then jump into fan interaction. But I'm leaning towards a one-segment deal. We'll see. So, first and foremost, a lot of us were kind of, uh, some of us were on the fence a little bit about uh, acquiring Marc-Andre Fleury, partially because, not because he's a great player or isn't a great player, but because there's always that fear he, he might falter in the postseason. Is there's always he'll be good for a round or two, maybe get all the way to the 
conference final, and then all of a sudden he's not the same. There was always that fear. But then it happens, and then it's like, oh, my God, Marc-Andre Fleury's on the wild, and it seems like that just kind of goes under the wayside for a little bit. So how do you feel about the acquisition of our new goaltender? Well, I think it, I think a lot of people, you know, when you think about Marc-Andre Fleury, it's it's not as much about disagreement about whether the whether he still has uh, the ability. I mean, literally, he is a season removed from being a Vezina winner mm-hmm. um, as the league's best goalie. I, I think the the big thing was okay. Well, how much is that going to cost? Yeah. Uh, what's what's the ask going to be going back? And quite honestly, I don't think too many of us thought that. Um, the cost was going to seem as reasonable as it ended up being. Um, and not only that, you know, as, as some people wanted to say with the trade deadline that the Wilder, quote-unquote, pushing all in, well, to me it would be more pushing all in on Marc-Andre Fleury if the Wild had done like a, you know, a player-for-player player swap where, where Talbot goes to Chicago mm-hmm. and Fleury ends up here because then, yeah, it would be, all on Marc Andre Fleury's shoulders to to do it, but instead we end up with both. We have both of them, and to me that gives you the ability to to not put it all on um, Marc Andre Fleury's shoulders, um, and maybe you end up getting the best out of both because um, statistics would indicate that you know. Cam Talbot at, you know, mind you, 34 years old, to you and I doesn't seem that old, yep. but in NHL <laughs> terms it is. Yeah. Um, it does uh, It does say that he was maybe getting started. He was playing too much. And yeah. so now you don't have that stress where he has to be your ace each night. Uh, you can go to Marc-Andre Fleury um, and, and, and maybe get the best out of both. And, and not only that, you can also, you know, change your look against teams too, especially, you know, uh, albeit a a rotation is is maybe a little more unconventional in a playoff series. We at least have a second option where we feel confident. And that's, let's face it, that's a huge part of it, not just for the player between the pipes, but also to the team in front of it. Because if they don't have confidence in that guy, then it's, it's, it's more, it's a lot more difficult. It's much more difficult for them to, to do their job when they fear that any shot on goals can maybe find the back of the net. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, oh, sorry. No, no, fine. I, I, I'm just going to say that I just think that uh, there, there's a lot to be said for that, you know, what that confidence does for the way the team plays in front, because then they're not maybe so worried um, that, you know, any shot is, you know, going to kill you. Yeah, I mean, I I like that take because, of course, the big thing I kept ranting about over the course of time was overusing Talbot. It was like the last two years I kept, mm-hmm. it was podcast after podcast, like, please don't do this again. You know, like Nicholas Backstrom broke down, Devin Dubnik broke down, you know, other goalies on other teams broke down, obviously. seemed like it was a huge trend here. So to cut back on overusing Talbot, and then, like you said, the best of both worlds, you just never, you just never know. I mean, the last time we had two goalies platooning, which may or may not be the case here, we wound up in a conference final situation and unfortunately ran into an ultra hot goalie. But maybe we'll have the ultra hot one this time. Well, you, you at least hope so. I mean, 
truth be told, um, Kapokakinen or Kapokakinen was at his best when he understood that he was the guy. Mm-hmm. So, like when when Talbot went down, that's when he seemed to play his best because he didn't worry that someone else was going to take the crease back. Mm-hmm. When he had that other person over their shoulder, he seemed to be much more inconsistent. And you know that that I think may have pushed into the that may have been a big reason why Bill Guerin uh, and the Wild as an organization decided to to continue to push to make that move because I think to me it's it was kind of more of a reflection of what they thought about Kokkinen maybe even more than Talbot possibly that they just didn't have faith that if 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 things had to go where they had to put Kokkinen out there whether he would be able to 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 play it up at that level that was needed and um you know, I think they liked him, but, you know, again, when he seemed to have that other person there, he just didn't seem to be as good as when, you know, there was an injury and suddenly he was, he knew he wasn't going to be, I guess, quickly pulled or anything like that. Not that, like I said, I don't think he was as mentally fragile as like a Kemper who always seemed like a house <laughs> of cards where oh. he give up one bad goal and then he gives up four bad goals. Yeah, you're, you're dead. He just, yep. he just, he just seemed to just fall apart but at the same time he also couldn't seem to run with it when he had another competent player um also on the you know as a goaltending goaltending option for whatever reason yeah for sure and at the end of the day i'm gonna you know i'm I'm gonna miss kakinen and like you said he was really good when he was in the situation where he knew he was the guy you know tell that's out for Mm -hmm. three three weeks or something and then kakinen had some Historic little runs there. What was it like nine wins in a row, something like that? Yep. That was awesome. Yep. That was fun. I'm gonna miss him because you know I'm kind of a prospect nerd. Maybe not as much as other people, but I'm up up there enough because there was always that hope. Who's the next Gabrick? Who's the next? Who's the next? You know, Ken Dryden or whatever in the system. And then I still remember going all the way back to 14. I guess it isn't even that long ago, but it's kind of long ago. Fourth round, we take Capo Kakinen, interesting pick, and I just followed him all the time. So it's kind of like yeah. losing a friend, you know. <laughs> well, I, I mean, there's something to be said for that. Like, you know, I mentioned Darcy Kemper before. I mean, like Darcy Kemper, it's a player you drafted. It's a player yep. the organization spent time uh, developing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it wasn't it wasn't always uh, rainbows and sunshine while they did it. I mean, there were some struggles. <laughs> at times, um, although I would say with with Kockenen at least, uh, there also weren't uh, the health-related struggles where Kemper always seemed a bit fragile, especially when the going got tough. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that seemed to be when he would suffer some kind of injury no one could define, <laughs> and then he was hurt for a couple weeks, um, whereas Kockenen always seemed to be fairly durable. But still, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't all perfection yet. He showed a lot of promise. I mean, being former uh, American hockey league goalie of the year yeah. in a season that, you know, unfortunately for Iowa fans is a huge, what if like, what could we have been had COVID not happened? Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel bad for that fan base. Cause it looks like they might be robbed of their playoffs because of really the pandemic two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sucks. They had a, 
ton of potential that year too, especially. Oh, that was fun. And um, but yep, I'm I'm definitely gonna miss him in a big way. And obviously, Kemper, like you said, mental, fragile, and physically, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what am I trying to say? Fragile, mentally, and physically. Part of me losing my mind already, and maybe it's the little bit of coffee I've had so far. <laughs> As a, off, off the mic conversation. Uh, <laughs> so other other than that, Mrs. Lincoln. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the the acquisition with uh, Capo Kakinen was obviously Kakinen to the San Jose Sharks. So once again, a goalie winds up with the San Jose Sharks or some kind of trade with the Sharks. Uh, it doesn't matter who the GM is. Somebody's going to the Sharks at some point. Yeah, um, we're, we're kind of a <laughs> Sharks pipeline. Yeah, yep, Sharks. And then the Penguins for a, for a bit now. And then obviously the Predators was like a year and a half. We were the Minnesota Predators. And uh, Sabres too. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, that went on forever during the Fletcher era. <laughs> oh, my God, that went on. And most of them were losses, right? <laughs> most some of them, yeah. <laughs> some and most. <laughs> yeah. Kind of somewhere in the middle. But, yeah, Jacob Middleton, big, big bruising defenseman. At first I was like, oh, we just gave Kakanen away. And then it's like, no, we didn't. What am I talking about? I was the one bitching and moaning about our, our uh, back end, just like uh, most other people. Uh, about getting a big bruising defenseman, and here he is, Jacob Middleton. Yeah, um, really kind of something, he brings something that uh, the rest of the defensive core doesn't, at least mm-hmm. overall. They're they're not a group that's built on size and strength. It's a group built on finesse and the ability to like transition the puck from offense to defense quickly. They're more of, as they'd say, puck mover types. And mm. uh, Middleton brings in a, a, a more size. Um, yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like I pointed out when I did my, my trade kind of overview, um, even as of right now, he would be – he would have the most hits of, Ooh, of any huh. defenseman. Um, our top hitter on our defense – our blue line is uh, Dmitry Kulikov with 70. Mm. And, and and Middleton has 89. Now, mind you, Whoa. Mm. Uh, as, as as Russo has complained many times, uh, as subjective as shots sometimes are recorded by different arenas, so are hits. I mean, there's there's oh, yeah. arenas where you know you have to legit make physical contact with a person and 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 like intentionally to get a hit. Other arenas, it's like, did you skate by the guy? That's a hit. You know, mm. you know that it's hard to say. Um, I guess he was, I believe, if I remember correctly, when I did my statistics, he was sixth on the Sharks in, in hits uh, as a team, but he was their top, uh, at least for the Wild, he would be the top hitting blue liner. So at least you hope that he's a person that's going to bring a physical presence, um, keep the crease clear, which I think that's been kind of an issue, especially yeah. during the, the Wild swoon, you know. Mm-hmm. Where guys were allowed to spend way too much time in the in those high traffic areas because I, I think part of it is I mean hitting hitting the, there's two parts to it one is your uh, your want to physically hit somebody and two is your physical ability to actually do it and I don't think we have necessarily a lot of want to because that's not how our guys are wired and I also think that the physical part because of the fact that, again, we've valued finesse defensemen mostly. Um, 
a lot of our guys are usually on the underside. So, you know, you, you know, our, our uh, Jared Spurgeon, he's mm-hmm. given you all he's got at his size. But I mean, if he's standing next to a six-three forward, there's a lot of physics that are not in his favor. Mm-hmm. Big time. You know? it, yep. And and that's that's just the reality of it. So hopefully he can help balance it out. And he and he has some experience playing with uh, more, shall I say, offensively um, driven defensemen. He played on a pairing with uh, Brent Burns, yep. uh, but most notably played on a pairing with uh, Eric Carlson, whose defense is kind of an optional thing for Eric <laughs> Carlson. So mm-hmm. um, he's used to being playing against a, with a mobile offensively creative partner not that he's contributing offensively but you could say covering up the defensive parts and he was a plus three on a team that's full of minus players that that in itself is kind of intriguing because it tells you that he was he was taking care of his end of the ice uh on a team that typically doesn't so Mm -hmm. to me that's that's an impressive statistic even though a lot of people malign plus minus when it's a team full of minuses and he's one of the few pluses that kind of tells you something. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and it's, he's going to play that perfect role where it's the whole balancing, yep. balancing things out, the smaller offensive finesse guy, the big physical defensive minded guy. So that's cool then. Cause it obviously it's a perfect balance, perfect fit for the Minnesota wild in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, I wanted a Ian Cole type. Yep. Yep. Go ahead. He's he's 26 years old. Yep. He makes 725,000 a year right now. Mm-hmm. So from a from a money standpoint, I know uh earlier in your last podcast you and also on on Twitter you had talked about you know the the possible bring back of like a Carson Susi. Mm-hmm. Well, and and as and not that I was not that I'm trying to like one up you or whatever, but no. <laughs> you know I mentioned that you know my issue with what Carson Susi now is that he's you know his salary is now just a shade under three million dollars. Yeah, yeah. So and that and and for a team and that's where money is tight, three million dollars for that person is kind of out of their. They they can't afford that. Yeah. Um, especially if they want to go after you know protect other priorities, um, for the team. So keeping cheap players is important, and Jacob Middleton is a cheap player. Um, while his contract he'll be a. Uh, an RFA at the end of the season, there's, you know, I think if they like how he plays, I think there's a pretty good chance that they would take steps to, to, to keep him around, especially if he brings that element that they hope, which is um, that physical presence, which even in our system, you know, looking at prospects, Kalen Addison isn't that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's, he's tiny. You know, yeah. you know, I realize that, you know, you have, maybe a little bit bigger guys than like a Damon Hunt. Um, Ryan mm-hmm. O'Rourke's a little bit, I mean, he's a little smaller than Middleton, mm-hmm. but neither of those guys are, are tanks either. And, you know, they still have, they still have growing up to do. And, and Middleton's already ready to go. So to me, um, it makes a lot of sense if you could, you know, sign him at a, you know, a, a mild increase. I mean, he has 53 games, so, I mean, how much can he re- – I mean, <laughs> I should yeah. say that with Kirill Kaprizov asking for $9 million. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's going to ask for $9 million no. after 53 games. Um, but I think you could maybe keep him around and have an affordable thing. And, again, to me, then, the only buyer's remorse you'd have is maybe we shouldn't have 
re-signed uh, uh, or extended uh, John Merrill so soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm having that, a little... That, might be, might, that yeah. might be where the buyer's remorse comes into play. Yep, I was about to use that exact term. Ooh, I'm, but, I'm glad it's you know, not too much. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that, that might be the only way. Yeah, because obviously it's like convenient. Right after he signed the extension, his play dropped. Like, of course, right? Shocking. And then Kulik, uh, I keep, yeah, Kulikov. I'm not using the H this time. I've had a really bad habit of that. <laughs> yeah, he's at you know over two million, and he's still here next year. So, yeah, it's a, it's definitely a, an issue of the salary cap with defensemen, and of course you have the big shots that all make a fortune. So, um, no, good point, definitely. And Susie, I, I remember every time I kept talking about it, and I'd always have that pit in my throat, like, yeah, he's making too much, isn't he? So. <laughs> That's just how that goes. Um, with that said, we're ready to jump into, uh, well, I guess there's yeah, a couple other minor trades. Obviously, Mr. DeLorean, I guess, dare I call him? No, DeLorean. DeLorean. DeLorean, yeah. Yeah, and I like to joke about DeLorean. You know, so he, he, should have, he should have worn number 88 or something. No, that would have been funny. Um, he, plays, he, plays a little too, he plays a little too rough a game to be a DeLorean. Yeah, he's he's more like one of those big uh, 70s tanks or something, right? I would say more like a demolition derby car out there. Yeah, those big, or like a, a monster truck, yeah. Yeah, kind of yeah. like that. Yeah, he's, uh, he definitely was throwing his weight around right away. Mm-hmm. He did not waste any time with that, and you could tell the crowd really enjoyed it every 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 time he he made a big hit on somebody, one the boards really kind of thundered in a way that you don't hear very often. Mm-hmm. But you could tell the crowd huh? was feeding off that the whole game, and uh, and, and you could tell he was feeding off of it. You, you saw the smile on his face after he put somebody, in, you know, stapled them to the boards pretty well. Um, he was he was having fun out there, and. Uh, I don't know. Um, I heard uh, his interview on Straight from the Source. Yeah. I actually just listened to it before the podcast. Yeah, wasn't that and, cool? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought he was really grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't seem to have a, any kind of inflated view of himself whatsoever. Um, he seems to be very... Uh, I thought he had a really good perspective of what he is and what he's about and and you know he he seemed to be pretty uh how do I want to put it he he articulated his thoughts really well in terms of you know what this means like okay you know this could be just me as a rental for the 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 rest of this season you know who knows maybe it could go longer but right now the the focus is about the here and now and I don't know. Like I said, he seems to understand perfectly what he's here for. There's no doubt about it. And um, he seems to be happy to be here, which that's good, too. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, awesome personality in the interview, and he was poking yeah. fun at himself when they talked about his skill or something. He's like, what skill? So I got yeah. a kick out of that. and Got to love the, the French-Canadian accent, bringing a little bit of that in here with uh, him and, of course, Marc-Andre Fleury. The big smile from both of them. Uh, they're they're the kind of guys you win a Stanley Cup. They're the kind of guys you remember, and especially uh, especially if you're a teammate of theirs, I mean, they're going to remember them forever. If they go on and win a cup, it's it's going to be a beautiful thing if that happens. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yeah, the, yep. 
I was going to say, I didn't see the odds of that are slim, but yeah, but maybe, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if if he can if he can spell some of the physical workload, um, you know, like he, the the big thing with him, kind of going back to what I mentioned with Middleton, is is hits. Uh, yeah. Yep. I think he was I think he was sixth in the league in hits. Whoa. With two hundred and sixteen <laughs> hits, which uh, the most on the Wild is. Is was Mar- is Marcus Foligno at 170? Mm-hmm. So he Not hits bad. a lot, and mm-hmm. uh, you know he understands perfectly that he he's kind of there so mm-hmm. that Marcus Foligno doesn't have to fight. You know, not that that's what it's all about, because I mean he he can kill penalties, which again that can also maybe help ease some of the workload on Marcus Foligno if they are going to be used so much in kind of a shutdown role, which that takes a lot of energy out of people. Mm-hmm. Especially for bigger guys, I think that I think that helps Felino do his job at a bet at a what do I want to say with a, with more pace and more energy because he's not having to do, um, try to do more than what he maybe he's capable of, and I think uh, I think Delorie completely understands that he knows that he's there to kind of supplement that if if need be and and he can kill some penalties and um i like i said i i think it's a i think it's a good fit on a lot of levels and the fact that those two are also good friends um i think yeah, it's, yep. it's, it's a, as a bonus i mean it, it's not like it's two people that are going to look at each other and see each other as like competing for the same role in the team they know that their roles are different you know that there's some similarities to them but that they're not trying like deloria is not trying to take Marcus Foligno's spot on the lineup. And, and Marcus Foligno isn't worried that Nick Delorier is going to take his spot. They have different roles. I mean, they might they might have similar qualities to their game, but they have a different role in terms of, I mean, he recognizes completely, like you mentioned, his self-deprecating humor, but yeah, he was also yep. serious in the fact that he said he wished that he was as good at hockey as Marcus is, that mm-hmm. Marcus is more skilled. And yep. And to me, that that's that's, that's good to hear. You know, you know, not too many times athletes will say they're not as good as somebody else unless it's like like abundantly obvious, like they're a superstar player. But you know, I, like I said, I think this person understands who he is as a person and why the team brought him here. And <clears throat> sorry, I, I just think that, it, like you said, it, it's refreshing to hear somebody that seems to, you know understand his place so well already. Yep, it's awesome to have him and it balances out the roster and like yep, like you said and yep, like how some of us yep, it's obviously takes some of that stand up for your teammates pressure off of Marcus Bellino and of course again, both of these guys coming in uh talk is and I agree with it uh, is that this really prepares the wild for the postseason for all the situations that can pop up. Uh, obviously, you got to be big and physical going into the playoffs. Uh, these trades, a lot of, I, I think a lot of these decisions were made possibly during games against Calgary and such, where they just manhandled us. So, and uh, you can't get in a track meet with the Colorado Avalanche, so you got to kind of be more physical with them to get them off their game, which is a lot what the 03 Wild did. Uh, the the 14 Wild played a little bit of mind games with them, I would say. And overachieved, and that was beautiful. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Wild are built for the postseason, and the good news is we're not just too big and slow like we were. We made that mistake oh. in 
oh seven, I think, when it when we uh, yeah oh uh, eight oh oh eight, yeah, yeah, because we lost yeah. to the Ducks after they beat us up. Yep. Then we played the Colorado Avalanche, who were inferior to the Wild that year, but we were mm-hmm. just too slow, and they they beat us. <laughs> hmm. Yep. I, I think the you know like you were mentioning like beating whether big big and slow and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. another thing that I noticed in that game against uh, Vegas, which by the way it was awesome watching us shut out Vegas. Wasn't that cool? Um, yeah. <laughs> was yep. was the fact that you noticed in that game? Now, mind you, Vegas was missing a lot of their their star yeah. players, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think you can say that it was a full Vegas team. Nope. Not even close. Yeah, but, they're missing everybody. But the yeah. one thing you did notice though was with Vegas's lower line players, especially guys like you know Carrier, uh, Colasar, they weren't taking any extra liberties with the Wild. You know, they they weren't they weren't trying to sit there and 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 target. Kaprizov and try to, you know, beat up uh, Zuccarello or something like that after the whistle, like in the past where they did it. It's like, well, what are you going to do? No one's going to stand up to us. You know, if Felino's on the bench, he's not going to do anything. But with Delorier out there and things like that, they didn't want to mess around with that. Mm-mm. And and not only that, you saw, you know, especially after Delorier, you know, opened the game with a pretty big hit at the, on his first shift. Then you saw Dumba stepping up and lighting somebody up with an open ice hit. And, you know, kind of like, you know, Ryan Carter, I think, even avert, alert, alluded to this during the broadcast was he mentioned how, you know, when you get a player like this physical, everyone feels a bit taller. Like yeah. Everyone yep. feels like, you know, I can throw my weight around there because someone's not going to come and kill me because they're afraid that guy will kill him. <laughs> yep. You know, you know. It, and and there there is something to be said for that where maybe you feel a little more safer being physical because you have those other people that can take care of business if that's what it comes down to. And um again it's it's an early sample at least so far against a you know, a depleted Vegas squad, but still in the past that was one team that sometimes I felt kinda of clowned the wild. Especially yeah. in the Ryan Reeves days. Mm-hmm. You know, he would just sit there and clown us and mm. You know, we, we didn't have a whole heck of a lot of an answer because we just don't have that kind of player anymore. And um, But now I think we kind of do. I, I think Delorier is definitely showing he's not afraid to step up against anybody else in the league. And, and the other players know it too, especially in the Pacific. You know, they've already seen that guy out quite a bit already. So I think that's a good thing for the Wild in a lot of ways. Absolutely, it makes a it's, a it's a difference maker, and I'm looking forward to how things how things turn out in the postseason with these guys. Just stay healthy, yeah. right? Knock on wood. Knock on. Here we go. Here we go. If I was over this little chest here. <laughs> yeah. So there's two other trades. Uh, one super minor, I guess you could say, because it was uh, basically Victor Rask for a bag of Doritos or something. That's what they say. Uh, Jack Squat, as uh, Bruce yep. would say. That was funny. Yeah, yeah. The guy with his last name is Squat, first name Jack. You know, that yeah. was funny. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what it is, unless there's some miracle conditional pick mixed in there. But yeah, uh, but they need, they needed to get rid of him. I mean, yeah, absolutely. He was he was not he was not happy in Iowa. That oh. was clear. Yeah, um, I can imagine. You know, the, the funny thing was he was a point per game player in Iowa. Mm-hmm. But, but. At the same time, watching him play from shift to shift, 
the effort was not there yet because he is a skilled play. I mean, he he's still an NHL NHL skill player playing in the AHL. Mm-hmm. The team kept throwing him out in the ice, which was both good and bad. The good part was that he has the skill to maybe finish a play that maybe other guys couldn't. But on the other end of it, from an effort, it was it was almost like losing a player because he just he wouldn't hustle. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, and he, he he was only gonna he was only gonna play hard in the offensive zone, and and by that I mean like give you sixty percent. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you know he was just looking to shoot the puck wherever he could or or, or get involved in a scoring play, but beyond that, it was pretty half-hearted. And and from him from his standpoint, I'm sure from a sense of pride, it it had to sting. it has to sting. There's no yeah. it's being human. There's no way that it couldn't feel embarrassing. You mm-hmm. know, you know when you're going from plane rides to bus rides, there's no hiding that. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a way. It's a, it's miserable. And um, you know, I, I think I think that was beneficial for for him and the team and if we get anything out of it whatever yeah but that it just needed to end yep that's all i can say yeah it finally finally did end a lot of us were hoping sooner but at least we don't have uh any dead cap to worry about which is nice we didn't we we never bought him out (laughs) that's a good thing although we did we did retain 50 percent of his salary oh yeah yep yep for the remainder of this year yeah but i mean it's just one it's just whatever prorated it is, so it's really not that big of a deal overall. Yep, like a million, like for a couple of months or something. That's Probably good, not even that, given not even, how yeah. far we are. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's about so. a fourth, yeah. Yep. So the the other one was the one that drew some ire from uh, a lot of us, I would have to say. It, it drew ire from Bill Guerin as well. Speaking of Jack, uh, Jack McBain, oh, yeah. Luckily, we got a second rounder. That can bring up some of the whole, uh, you know, college players, this and that. Some mm-hmm. obviously go on to have spectacular careers, of course. Others, who knows? And they get to, some get demanding. They want to kind of control where they go, this and that. And a, a lot of those guys don't end up having as great a career as they think. Um, what was I leading towards? Oh yes, Bill Guerin. It was. I just love the way he responded when. Uh, one of the reporters asked him when they were talking about the trade, uh, how did they say it? Was it an easy decision or uh, did you have a hard time making this decision? He said, no, yeah, he, said, he was just, no, no. no. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. He's like, once they don't want to be here, he, he can go. I yep. like that. <laughs> well, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think, I think, I think uh, the wild given their situation, he probably felt that for McMain, there was a there was opportunity here, but McBain mm-hmm. obviously felt you know maybe he looked at um, Nico Sturm. Yeah. Nico Sturm's situation where you know Nico kind of felt the same way. Nico looked at it and said, Stuck, yep. "I don't see how I'm not going to be anything other than a fourth line center for you guys because you're you obviously have the spots for the other people. I don't see myself getting an opportunity. I'll, you know." especially since you just asked me to take a, a longer contract at a lower price point. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, yep. So he, re- yep. he he rejected the deal, and then at that point it's just like the same thing, you know. 
Yeah, it's still. Nope. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll find another place for you then. And, um, you know, and, and fortu- fortunately, I guess at that point for for maybe Nico Sturm or, or depending on how you want to look at it, the, the Avalanche made a phone call and uh, Bill Guerin did not hesitate and made the move player for player and and that's what happens. But, you know, with McBain, uh, mm-hmm. it, it seems weird that you would want to, I guess, go to a place and, but I guess in Arizona, purgatory. You know, yeah. <laughs> it, well, it's yeah. it's it's the it's the NHL boneyard. But you know, yeah. from an opportunity perspective, you know, when there's there's potential that he could rise and move up because they're a team that, quite honestly, needs somebody to start shining over mm-hmm. there to to keep that team really going. So. Maybe he felt that was more desirable to be a bigger fish in a smaller pond, literally yep. and figuratively, now that it'll be yeah, a 5,000-seat arena in Arizona oh. State. Oh, but, my. I mean, he, he'll he have that opportunity that perhaps he wouldn't have here. And to get a second-round pick for a guy you drafted in the third round, I'm yep. fine with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like moving up in the draft, right? Yeah, basically we I moved mean, up it, a little bit, yeah. The, the only thing, the only way this could really go bad now would be as if McBain goes down to Arizona and just Terrible. lights things up, mm-hmm. and and then it becomes kind of a what if, you know, what if he would have stayed here kind of thing. But yep. anything short of that, you know, if he just becomes a fringe guy um, or barely holds on, you got a second round pick for a guy that maybe isn't a, an NHLer. You don't know what you have yet, mm-hmm. so. You know, I, I think that's a pretty good return. And, For you, know, sure. you know, we had mentioned this before, it's like college free agents, like, you know, Casey Wellman comes to mind, you know, where, you know, mm. oh, we had to battle this, we had to win this big sweepstakes or whatever to get him, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. And like who, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, he wasn't a, he's not a, he's not a bad hockey player. I mean, all these people are great hockey players. Mm-hmm. But it, he just wasn't an NHLer. That's yeah. just what it was. You know, like Nico Sturm was that that uh, sought after college free agent, and and to be all honesty, I yeah. thought he was reasonably successful. He was an NHL talent. Mm-hmm. Um, I like him. Yeah, a bottom, a, I bottom, do. a bottom six player. I have no, I have no qualms about his work ethic. I felt he did everything he could do to try to make him the best he could be. Um, was he worthy of more opportunities than maybe he got? I think there's an argument to be made that maybe he should have been given more of a look in places. Um, but unfortunately, you know, uh, there's other players on the roster. And depending, you know, no matter how good you think you are, others, you know, the, the organization obviously valued other players. And, you know, he made his decision for himself. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, he was one of the few college free agents where. I felt we got, you know, he he lived up to what we thought he was going to be, I guess, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, a lot of promises, a lot of shiny credentials, but not a lot of production. You know, like, like Sam Annis. I mean, oh, Sam yeah. Annis was a guy mm-hmm. that people lobbied for a lot, you know, coming out of Quinnipiac, and he's a good player, mm-hmm. good player. But do I really – did I ever, you know, watching him play in Iowa, did I ever, you know, even as good as he was in his MVP season, did I think he was um, NHL material? 
No. No, unfortunately. I mean, he, he, he's small. Mm-hmm. He's not overly fast for a player that is small. And it's hard to imagine how a player like that's going to survive at the NHL level. Now, obviously, he's a he's a very uh, productive uh, and capable AHL player, but there's players like that that are AHL ringers, but they're just not NHL players, you know. Mm-hmm. Jerry Mayhew, another yeah. college free agent, you know, yeah. who was a, you know, he was a good college player, but I would say he's an even better AHL player. Where he, yeah, he's, awesome. He's been, a big, he's, been, he's been a pretty good offensive force at the AHL level. Um, you know, coming out of Ferris State, which is not a big-time program, um, but he obviously was very capable for the for, for Iowa. But, you know, despite his opportunities, he just couldn't replicate that same kind of dominance at the NHL level, and, and that's that's the difference sometimes. That's just it's that's just the cold hard facts of it all. So, you know, missing out on him for a second round pick doesn't seem like that bad of a deal. I, I don't have any sour taste in my mouth about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I feel okay as well. It it took him forever to really get going too in college. So that was that yep. was that as well. Then they get this big like uh, big head on their, you know, they get the big head going when they have a hot season and. Well, mm-hmm. cash in. I guess what they say it's strike while the iron's hot, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I'm 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 happy too, and wishing him the best, of course. Uh, it's yeah. kind of like the old Brennan Mental syndrome. You can say like I I don't know I don't know what to say or do, so please get get rid of me, you know, immediately. No, that, that, <laughs> I say that's I say that's that's exactly the scenario in a yeah. lot of ways. And, yeah. And, and right the same thing happened, Well, but also I would say the same thing between how Bill Guerin handled it. Yeah. When his his death sentence was when he decided to go play in the KHL. You know. Oh yeah. I don't. Yep. I don't. I, even though he played very very well in the KHL, Guerin wanted nothing to do with him at that point. He's like, mm. nope, you've already burned your bridge with me. Yep. You know, if you want a chance, it'll be with a different organization. It won't be here. Mm-hmm. So good luck to you, you know, and and it hasn't been a great season for him in Toronto. Yeah, like nothing. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I couldn't believe what I saw, and and in the AHL, yeah, it's like way down. Yeah. So, well, mm. you know, the thing is, is it's uh, coaches. Maybe certain coaches give you opportunities where other coaches won't. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get that same kind of opportunity, you don't shine the same way. Because, yeah, it's screwed. Mm-hmm. And and it 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 can be you know now that he's back with uh, with Chuck Fletcher, um, yep. <laughs> in Florida or sorry for Philadelphia, Philly, yep. um, mm-hmm. you know for future considerations, which is what he was tra- traded for at the very end of the deadline. Um, you know maybe he'll get that opportunity with with the Phantoms to to bring it back or whatever. But um, obviously it didn't work out. <laughs> He didn't prove yeah. everybody wrong in Toronto. That's for sure. No, not at all. Yeah, it's kind of heartbreaking because I was a fan. <laughs> Coming out of obviously yeah, I, uh, Woodbury, I think yeah. Everyone was. I think a lot of us were rooting for him just because he took the he took the path less traveled, and that's mm-hmm. been his story mm-hmm. of his career. Mm-hmm. So you know, he he took the quote unquote the long way. Mm-hmm. Really you know? long way. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So you think we're ready for? Uh, oh, actually, uh, do you want to go down memory lane a little bit with the possible 
uh, with, with the uh, trade deadline signings trades. Remember you brought yeah. that up off the mic? <laughs> yeah, sounds like well, fun. Have, okay, so just to put everybody, I guess, so they understand the, where this is coming from, uh, mm-hmm. before the, the podcast started, uh, you and I were kind of talking about the trade deadline and things like that. And obviously the trade deadline and the Minnesota Wild have had mm-hmm. a long and maybe sad history. Yeah. So what I did was is I kind of just ran down uh, the, the the Minnesota's trade deadline history going back to all the way to like 2007. And because uh, one of the things that I think that makes maybe this deadline different, knock on knock on wood to a certain extent, um, was mm-hmm. that I didn't feel after this deadline a feeling of like buyer's remorse where I felt that the team had overextended itself. Um, with the with the with the moves that they made, in other words, what we paid did not seem to be way too much. But so, and maybe you'll understand that when I kind of go through this trip down memory lane, especially yep. if maybe you're new to the team and stuff like that. So, 2007, <laughs> Minnesota Wild trade deadline, Dominic Moore mm. for for a third round pick uh, in 2007 from Pittsburgh. I think. Uh, I remember correctly, um, we, we brought in Dominic Moore. We only played him a handful of the games, and then I think we made him a healthy scratch. Like, it was kind of like, well, what was the point? You bring a guy in, and then you don't even use him. Yeah. Um, yep. I mean, it's a third-round pick, but still. Um, <laughs> it seemed kind of weird yeah. when you didn't use the person you traded for. Um, more infamously, 2008. Minnesota Wild uh, traded for Chris Simon (laughs) with the New York Islanders for a (laughs) sixth-round pick. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chris Simon, of course, uh, was uh, an enforcer kind of player, Uh, kind of reviled for some of the dirty things he had done that season, including uh, stomping on a player with his skate. Oh, yeah, like his Uh, ankle, right? Which earned him, him, I think, like a 20-game suspension. Mm-hmm. For that, um, and so he came to the team, and of course, uh, the fans about lost their crap when we traded for Chris Simon. Yeah, it's, it's like that's the best we can do. Yeah, yeah, mm. but they felt they needed another pair of knuckles to uh, go against tougher teams like the Ducks were when they still had like Chris Pronger and stuff like that. Yeah, because um, they were seen as a heavy Travis Mullen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and those They're guys, tough. so yeah. uh, it didn't work out so well in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, Chris Simon, uh, 2012, um, the Minnesota Wild uh, picked up Eric Christensen. Oh, <laughs> shootout specialist. Uh, yep. Shootout, yep, shootout specialist, <laughs> shootout ace, uh, and a seventh round pick from the Rangers for Casey Wellman. So that's mm-hmm. where we traded our our uh, college free agent that didn't quite work out um, yep. and to get our shootout ace which means so much in the playoffs <laughs> yeah yeah that was funny Zero. Um, which by the way i should probably mention that that 2012 there that would have been pre-suitor preezy so that was the the, the spring yep. before they arrived yep um, that was we had that hot little start and then just completely fell off the map yeah <laughs> Um, but speaking of that first season, now Sariti, uh, Parisian Suter on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, first 
trade deadline with them in play. Jason Pominville. Yeah. Yep. For a first-round pick in 2013, which turned out to be Nikita Zadorov. A second-round pick in 2014. And Matt Hackett, goalie. And Johan Larson, who ironically just got traded on the deadline to the Capitals mm-hmm. uh, this time around. He was a second-round pick. Johan Larson, right? Yep. Yeah, Johan Larson from yeah. uh, from Laos, Sweden, I think is what it was. Yeah. Um, yep. But, yeah, that was one of our saber drafts. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that that really late uh, really late trade deadline because of the lockout, right? Yep. April third. Um, Pom- yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pominville, uh, of course, unfortunately, got hurt shortly into that first um, year with the Wild because he got hit by Dustin Brown. Oh yeah. And yep. that, that that effectively took him out of the playoffs. I think Dustin Brown got like a measly two game suspension mm-hmm. for it. And uh, basically, he was going to sit out anyways because they were getting ready to be in the playoffs as it was, and so a lot of people were thought that was an absolute joke of justice. Yeah. Um, and then Pominville did okay for a little bit. We then doubled down on our um, trade by extending him right away. Mm-hmm. Five which years. Turned out to have a lot of buyer's remorse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, then of course, then later we we shipped him out uh, as part of along with Marco Scandella uh, later on mm-hmm. um, in a in an off season move, not a deadline move. Uh, next year, 2014 has some beauties for you. Oh, Again, can I jump in? Savers. Sure. Super quick. I mean, just for fun, just to, just for a little uh, yucks or whatever. The same day, obviously, this is a no name, so but it's just for fun. The Wild acquired their first Delorier, Jeff Drew and Delorier, for future considerations. Oh, my God. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I, I just pulled this up for fun cause, and I, cause so I could keep up with you, the trade tracker. That, <laughs> he would have been like a – he he was like a minor league guy, wasn't he? Yeah, I don't think he ever yeah. played in the NHL. Yeah, he was probably an, an Iowa Wild special there, or maybe even Houston Arrows, depending on like – yeah, yeah, Houston Arrows, actually. Mm-hmm. And then cups of coffee, yeah, Houston Arrows, yeah. then cups of coffee with, like, Edmonton and stuff. I, I just thought I'd bring that up because it's funny. That's another Delorier, yeah? Yep. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. I don't, know, I, I, don't know if they're, I don't know if they're related or not. Um, Maybe. Mm-hmm. 2014, uh, the Minnesota Wild deadline traded for Matt Molson oh. and oh. Cody McCormick. <laughs> mm. Oh, that's... For a, for a second-round pick in 2014... Yep. Second-round pick in 2016, and Tory Mitchell. And Tory Mitchell, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, Matt. Oh. oh, he was so good just like two years before, and then he just stopped. Yeah. He literally yep. just stopped, didn't he? The the magic pretty much left when he left the Islanders. Mm. He, oh, he, was, he was money with the Islanders. I mm-hmm. mean, he was just this uh, – wasn't ever – wasn't a big player, but he always seemed to be – in the clutch. And yeah, then, 30 goals. And then, yep. and then it just, the, the game just seemed to leave him. And mm-hmm. then uh, and then strangely enough, then he ended up with the Kings, which had him another time too. And then he ended up playing their minors and seemed to be happy just being a minor leaguer guy. Yeah, he's rare still... one that didn't mind playing in the minors his last few years of his, of his career. 
Yeah, he's. Would you believe this? Because I just pulled him up. He's still playing. Yeah. He's still. He he must love hockey. Yeah, a- a- AHL. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's five years Ontario, in a row. Wasn't he? Uh, he was there, I guess. Now Hershey Bears. Yeah. Oh, pa- that was the Hershey Bears. Okay. Isn't that the darndest? He's still playing. But those, I mean, yeah. Hershey is a good market. Yeah. I mean, they, they get a lot of fans. You, you feel like you're the biggest thing in town. Mm-hmm. And and they're, they're and they're and let's face it, it's also the miners too. Yep. There, there isn't much scrutiny. You can have a life with your family. Some of those can actually be pretty sweet trips if you get the right organization. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds like fun, honestly. Yeah. Also, 2014, Ilya mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, there you go. For for a fourth round pick in 2014, mm-hmm. and and little did we know we'd really really need Ilya Brzezgalov that year. He was when, good uh, with, the, with the weird injuries, and then he ended up being the the starter in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, helped us win a series. Yeah. Yeah, I, I also remember uh, toward the end of the season, the Wild had a. Oh, I think we had an absolute garbage game against Arizona, mm-hmm. and Ilya Vrzgalov was a part of the closed team meeting, and apparently he spoke up and and said some things, which mm. uh, for Ilya Vrzgalov, you never know what he was going to say. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that had to have been interesting, but I actually liked him, and his he was he was he's a he's a character, so I. I appreciate a player that's sometimes a bit of a character, even if he might seem a bit out there, like Ilya uh, Prisgalov, who could turn a hockey conversation into a discuss- into a TED talk about the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> humongous, big, as as a friend of mine used to have as a soundbite on his show. But yeah, I don't know. He's a. Uh, I I liked his little stint with the Wild, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, me too. Mm-hmm. 2015, mm-hmm. Minnesota Wild acquired Sean Bergenheim mm-hmm. uh, for a third-round pick in 2016, which ironically became Rem Pitlick. Uh, Rem Pitlick was drafted with that pick from the Florida Panthers. Uh, Bergenheim, I think that was the end of his NHL career at that point. Like he ended up playing back in Sweet or Finland again. Um, 2016, the Minnesota Wild acquired David Jones. <laughs> from Calgary for a sixth round pick and Nicholas Backstrom. And Nicholas Backstrom, yeah. <laughs> so that was uh-huh. when, of course, you know, yeah. the end of his years where we kind of wanted him to go because he was taking up cap space. And he, yep. he wasn't he wasn't the, the same person. And then, remember, he ended up having that first start against the Wild where we, like, put three goals on him in, like, the first five minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. And... I remember they, you know, they put the tribute on after like the second goal as the team was still cheering the goal. Oh, and it's <laughs> like, oh, that hurts. And then, but then he got, he got his back uh, at the very end of the season. I think in the last game of the year, I think he shut the Wild out, which was his last NHL start. So. Yeah, it's a good way to end know, it. Mm-hmm. Payback's a bitch, I guess. So. Yes. <laughs> um, then in 2017. Martin Hansel. Oh, I want to pound Ryan the screen. <laughs> Ryan White for a first round pick in 2017. Yep. A second round pick in 2018. Mm. And a conditional pick in 2019. And Grayson Downing, which I think he was a minor league guy for us. Uh, yep. Of course, to the Arizona Coyotes. Yep. 
Yeah, minor oh. league, no NHL. Yep. Ugh. But I mean, when you see to me, that's the that's the trade no where NHL. I look at what we got this time around versus what we got back in 2017. You know, yeah. oh. where the, the the guy we wanted was this you know center who we thought could fit in the top six, and we end up throwing a first round pick, a second round pick, a conditional pick, and a uh, and a minor league player. Um, you know, compared to a conditional first round pick that only happens if we make it to the Western Conference Finals. And he has at least four wins during that time during the playoffs. To me that, that just seems like such a smarter deal. It's nuanced where if we flame out then they get a second round pick. It's hard to have a lot of regret over that. Mhm. Yeah, big with, time. with this deal with this deal you're like our I mean you're guaranteed oh. to lose these things. Regardless yeah. if the Wild did well or did poorly, and immediately you know I was like, "Oh, we better hope this works," because mm-hmm. it's gonna, it's going to be painful, and, and it was. It was very painful. And I know this wasn't quite a deadline deal; it was a little bit earlier than the deadline, but I kind of felt like it was. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one where we actually sold. Uh, and sold wisely. I, I probably should have had the Nicoletti trade in here because that was kind of a deadline day deal too, but I didn't throw that in there. That's my fault. Oh, I'm that's not sure what year that was. The one where we traded Letty and Kim Janssen for Cam Barker with Chicago. Ooh, yeah. That was horrible. But anyway, yeah, this one's yeah. more of a good mm. one. In 2020, uh, the Minnesota Wild uh, received Alex Kilchenyuk. Mm-hmm. Kalen Addison, um, and a first-round pick, uh, which became Carson Lambos for wow mm. from Pittsburgh for Jason Zucker. Mm-hmm. You know that's again where I felt we struck while the iron was hot, probably hotter than anyone else would have perceived, because mm-hmm. Jason Zucker was kind of disappointing, and yet we got yeah. a pretty great haul. I mean, Alice Kolchenyuk was a dry well, but the first-round mm. pick and Kalen Addison. Yeah, two Thank possible. You. Yeah, possibly you know, two really good defensemen there. You know, so yeah. it's, it's not always about buying. Sometimes it's about picking the right time to sell. And you know, with you know, kind of going with the McBain thing, getting mm-hmm. a second round pick, we might look back and be laughing about it. Like, yeah, I can't like wow, second round pick for that guy. Look how we did. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I so, hope so I just thought that would be interesting and kind of maybe putting things in a little bit of perspective. Yeah. You know. We didn't get a first-line center. I know I, I saw one of the fans talk about that, that they weren't happy. But all things considered, I, I didn't feel like there was places where we overpaid. And so that, to me, makes me feel a lot better about the deadline and what we did because there isn't that element of did we go too far or did we give up something in the future that I think we'll regret later, which I don't think we did. Yeah, Yep, yep. I don't have that pit in my throat that I did on so many of those trades in the past. Yeah. You could just you could just feel it. The the handle on you just knew. I swear. <laughs> yep. Well, we're about a little over an hour, so I don't mean. To... Yep. Oh yeah, we better. Yep. <laughs> yep, we better jump into. Uh, yep, jump into the fan interaction. <laughs> ASAP. Sure. I'm sorry. Yep. No okay. Yep. So I guess we can just do a one segment shot if you're if you're good with that. <laughs> yeah. Fine. Yeah, might as well, since we're kind of on a roll. So, 
getting it. Uh, so the, the Twitter account is, of course, where we go for fan interaction, and Derek is kind enough to send out the bat signal, which he did multiple times this week, so we could pick up a good amount of discussion of the trade deadline and the future possibilities of the Wild here, short-term, long-term. Of course, when you want to put a comment in, comment, question, anything like that, uh, fun fun question, hashtag BTWMN, hashtag BTWMN, and again, at Brave the Wild is the Twitter account. Of course, Derek's is at Crease and Assist. Obviously, writes a lot of wonderful uh, articles post-game, and that his wife writes uh, pre-game oh, articles. Wife, yeah. Yep, yep, Teresa Ferries, yep. So very, very cool. So I was ranting about the, the Blackhawks game a little bit, that it was kind of boring, but at least we won. <laughs> that was cool. The McBain conversation, let's see what someone said here. I just wrote thoughts, basically. Oh, yeah, Derek, you wrote, yep, we got a second-round pick. We're not known, so yeah, for sure. Now we discussed that extensively. <laughs> uh, what's the next one? Okay, yep, you shared it there. Ask about any trade deadline moves. Then I wrote about Flurry. Yep, and uh, yep, and yep, and you said you're joining. Yep, the show, which is awesome. Let's see again. Capo Kakin and nobody comment on that. Brian Herrera. Okay, here we go. Brian Herrera says, "Do you think these trades are going to help in the playoffs, or will they just set us back? A few new faces in the locker room now." But will uh, but will they mesh well with the current core? I think so. I I, I like the size addition. Uh, the personalities are good. There's definitely the the personalities I think mesh fantastically with this team. You know, like like uh, Delorier, Mark Andre Fleury, and uh, Middleton too. Yeah, I would agree entirely. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, Middle, Middleton was joking that you know he took number five because. The, the defenseman most like himself was Nicholas Lidstrom. Oh, that's <laughs> you know, funny. Which, which is which is hysterical because he was explaining why he lost. You know, of course, twenty one was already taken with Brandon Duhame, uh, mm-hmm. which was his number in, in in San Jose. So they both seem both Delorier uh, and uh, well, heck, even Tyson Jost put him in there too because it's pretty close to the deadline. All of these guys and even. Mark Andre Fleury all seem to be pretty positive uh, personalities. They all seem to understand what their role is and their purposes. And yep. um, you know, while Fleury is an older player, uh, the yep. other three kind of fit within the overall age group of a lot of these guys. So I think that meshes pretty well with, like the at least from a personality sense, with the team. And and that's important because I mean that's something that we. You know, the, obviously the moves that happened this offseason had all to do with how the locker room environment was, and I don't think these moves are counterproductive to that. I don't think they, you know, suddenly create, you know, a happy-go-lucky room into an intense focus, you know. I think I think they're, I think they fit in really seamlessly for what their their locker room vibe is, as much mm-hmm. as I can tell what it is not being in the locker room. Yep. Yep. From what I can say, too, is uh, honestly, I would be surprised if there was any issues, honest to God. Uh, Obviously, there's like nobody's really getting uh, messed with here. It's not really messing up the chemistry. So I I feel pretty good about them. Uh, Brian Herrera has the next one also. And here we go to the retro games. I love it. (laughs) He says, also, who who do you got in a fight, Mega Man or Samus Aron? Uh, I've always been a Mega Man guy. Again, NES, though. 
I, I'm just extremely old school with Mega Man. Um, obviously, Super Nintendo is very retro in these days. Even PS2 is considered retro, which to me, that's foreign to me. That's not retro. It is, but it isn't. Um, I, I I just was more into the Mega Man games than the, than the uh, Metroid games, I'd have to say, even though great classic games. So I'll go with Mega Man. Um, <clears throat> that's a good question. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, as I started to think about it, I actually was thinking about yesterday, mm-hmm. was... When you think about both the characters, Samus Aran and, or Samus Aran, I'm sure someone's typing furiously, it's Samus, or whatever. Samus, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, get it all mad at the pronunciation. Special uh, Cecil, or right? Man, uh, or Rockman, if you want to go Japanese. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I was going to say yeah. that uh, they're basically kind of the same character. It's it's a person in a suit with an arm cannon. I mean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it really is kind of the same thing. Now, there's certain abilities that some have over others. Uh, you know, obviously the, the ball that the Samus can turn into, which I think would be a really cool ability for Mega Man to have, but he still has this little slide that he can do. Um, yep. I think overall, um, while Samus ran at least by herself, just with the abilities that she gains, just like with the jump and the rolling ball gives her an out advantage. Mm-hmm. The fact if you get it powered up, meaning like whether you've played through all the levels and gained the different power-ups from the different characters, mm-hmm. you know, no matter which mm-hmm. Mega Man game you're talking about, mm-hmm. then that puts the advantage to Mega Man, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, whether it's Mega Man 1 with, you know, the cutters or the bomb man or guts man strength, or Iceman, or, you know, like Mega Man 3, Spark Man, Magnet Missiles, all that kind of stuff, that would be the advantage that Samus or, or Samus couldn't handle. So mm-hmm. it would have to be a powered-up Rockman. If it's if it's generic, straight-up <laughs> Rockman versus Samus, I'm putting Samus yeah. as the, the winner. Yeah, Just I could totally defense. feel that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, be more defensive-minded, right? No, Yeah, but no, that's yep. good. So, yep, yep, you shared a KFAN girl's question. She says, the winger I can understand, the goalie I cannot. We are not going to win the cup this year, so the all-in feeling right now seems really odd to me. I kind of feel that way about the Vikings and Twins, but we'll see. Because <laughs> obviously, yeah, but I don't want to get into those guys right now. Um, hmm. I, I guess I, I don't. I kind of get that. Yep, go ahead. I don't feel like it's as all-in as Jody kind of describes. Yeah, um, Jody. Because because uh, Jody Halvey is the one who asked the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jody Halvey. Jody, yep. um, Jody's kind of thinking that it's all in. I would feel that way more like like we mentioned just moments before with the with the Martin Hansel deal, when you're trading a first round pick and you're trading like a, you know multiple second round picks. That to me is more of an all in move where you're really throwing the future at it and you're saying. We need to win right now, and I don't mm-hmm. feel like they gave up so much in the future that they don't still have a future. We didn't give up any prospects in any of our trades, with the exception, I guess, of Jack McBain, who said he wasn't going to sign here anyway. So we were going to lose him in August, or instead we decided to lose him in March, and we mm-hmm. got a second-round pick. So I don't feel like that's an all-in move. That's cutting your losses, you know, cutting bait. Um but in the case of, you know, I, I don't, like I said, I don't have buyer's remorse. And if Jody feels like she has buyer's remorse over what our 
our potential risk is with the Marc Andre Fleury trade. I guess you know that's that's like her prerogative. I just don't think that we pushed in way more than we should have for it. You know, like I said, the the thing I like the most about the Marc Andre Fleury trade is that it is nuanced in the sense that if unless unless they go to the Western Conference Finals and he plays and in, in, is a big part of that by getting wins in the playoffs, then we just give up a second-round pick. Yeah. So we would still keep our first. And to me, that, that makes it a smart trade. You know, the Martin Hansel trade had no – there was no quote-unquote uh, safety net. This one has a safety net built in. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't have any kind of – uh, like you said, that sinking feeling in your stomach, like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't have that. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That I hope that answers the question. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same because, uh, yeah, like, like the whole Martin Hansel thing. Right away, you're thinking that's a lot to give up for, you know, a guy that's, yeah, he's big. Woohoo! That doesn't guarantee anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently, the personality didn't even mesh from from what they say. Maybe I'm way off, but and it should be noted uh, that. that that was the pretty suitor locker room. Yeah. So the new guy comes yes. in, and he, you know he no, you know the thing about Martin Hansel in that trade, he mm-hmm. actually played okay. Yeah. He, I mean, he wasn't great, but he wasn't bad. I mean, he wasn't like like, Mart, like Matt Molson who did nothing. Yeah. You know, he like scratch he, he him. Okay. Yeah. He was okay, but I'm sure the locker room was like, "You're not getting my spot, Meat." You know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure he was not welcome. Whereas yeah. the guys here, cripes, it sounds like it's a, it's like kids going off to summer camp. Like, yeah, we're all here. Hey, mm-hmm. buddy, how you doing? You know, that's what it seems like now. Yeah, I love it. Oh. I absolutely love it. That, that's a, it's just yeah, like you said, totally different vibe, different locker room, different mm-hmm. leadership. That team, yeah. that team had a bad attitude. Obviously, like no, you know, like you're not getting on the power play or whatever with mm-hmm. this and that. You're not replacing this guy or this. You're not messing with our chemistry. So. It's like yep. you can't even make a trade with those jackasses. <laughs> Dare oh, I call them that? <laughs> no, unless unless they asked for them. Yes. You know, yep. Unless yep. it was approved by them, then yep. they'll hate it. Mm-hmm. You know. Dare so, I say, yeah. That's like, sounds you, like the you, Los you Angeles Lakers. You can't win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you can't win. It sounds like the Lakers right now, but I'll leave that alone, right? That's <laughs> a little or, side or, swipe, you know. Yep. Or a senior class in prom where they just bitch about everything. Yeah. No matter what yeah. you do. Yeah, it's like no win. Literally a no win. Yeah. Yep. Um, you shared Tony, uh, Tony uh, Perkle. Is that how we say it? Yeah. Yep. Tony Perkle. Uh, why am I? Uh, MAF. Uh, what a. Do you know what that abbreviation means? I don't know why I'm blanking. Mark Andre Fleury. Mark Andre Fleury. I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> I should know better. <laughs> Whoops. That, that, that might be important. Marc-Andre Fleury might be a bit past his prime. Yeah, I should have known. But the moves show Bill Guerin is going is going for it. I don't hate it, plus the move Wallstead, uh, plus the move with uh, Wallstead gets to North America sooner than later. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing you have. There, there's your safety net again. Because uh, long term, there's your guy. Uh, you don't have to worry too much about like, oh, my God, what, what are we going to do at goalie? You know this and that, and you still have Cam Talbot, like uh, like we talked about much earlier. How he's he's playing better now, and the combination of the two goalies, there's less pressure on both of them. And and again, you have the safety net. And mm-hmm. Jesper Jesper Wallstead. Luckily, I believe it's his father Jonas. 
uh, he I followed him and he followed back. So pretty cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, I was like, this is nice. Well, you know that that's the thing too is you know the the question was especially with uh, Cam Talbot and 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 Cockenham together was okay. Should we move on from Talbot if Cockenham's going to play well? Um, and then, of course, you always know you really have your future number one in Wallstead. That's what you drafted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now now it's kind of clear. The path is pretty clear that you're, it, it, you're, you're, you're showing some faith in your not-yet-number-one goaltender by saying, okay, here, here's your obvious landing spot. And, and, and to me, I'm sure for Wallstead that has to feel, you know, you talk about Nico <clears throat> Sturm feeling like, okay, well, where's the place for me? Well, I would think if I'm just yes for Wallstead, I look at the wild and you're going, ah, I can see, and you know, like they can see it, like they can project two, three years ahead, and they're like going, okay, I see where, where, where I'm going to be someday, and and that'll make you feel a lot better about coming to North America to, to get yourself ready for that spot, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. Talk about him coming as soon as uh, next uh, next year. That'd be amazing. At least maybe AHL yep. or something. Uh, that mm-hmm. is really, really awesome. You don't have to wait four years or something. Yep. <laughs> so Jay Bushy jumps in. Uh, welcome back, Jay. Always loved hearing from you. He says, uh, Russo called Middleton a hard-nosed defenseman. Hard-nosed defenseman, pardon me. Mm-hmm. That was my fault. Uh, do you like this pickup? Yes, I do. Because uh, I kept ranting and raving. Please bring in, well, mostly ranting. Please, please bring in I large third-pairing defenseman, and looks like we've certainly done that. Of course, a uh, very small uh, cap hit of, what is it, 725, I believe, uh, an arbitration-eligible restricted free agent in the offseason, so we'll see what happens there. But, yes, I do like the pickup. I like the the physicality. He's like a legitimate big guy like Merrill's tall. That's about it. He's tall. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Jack McBain. He's tall. <laughs> tall tall's okay, but... It, you know, but size is another thing, size, aggressiveness, and like uh, you said, a, a, a ton of hits and all that. Or Actually, it was uh, Delorier already had, already had six hits in one game for Minnesota, and he's like, you know, was he sixth overall in the NHL? So, mm-hmm. amazing. Love the physicality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've kind of talked about some of this already, but, yeah. you know, if, if you're, you know, maybe mentioning who – and someone brought up, you know, like the chemistry part of it. If there's any players that maybe on the wild are not necessarily thrilled with the moves, it would probably be uh, Dmitry Kulikov, who looks like the odd man out, at least early on. Um, forget about Jordy Ben. He's still working the James Shepard Memorial Popcorn Maker. Yes. Press box, but, yes. Um, oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> James Shepard Memorial. For years. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but then there's, uh, you know, of course, uh, uh, Alex Goligoski <laughs> is going to be moving down to the third pair. Um, yep, yep. But I think if if he's honest about his own play, that's kind of where he should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he's seemed fun. to be struggling with the minutes that he had, um, especially in some of the physical areas in and around the crease. He showed some struggles, and Middleton is going to give him – uh, is going to put is going to relegate him to the third pairing, but I do think that's maybe better where he's suited in terms of ice time. I think it would be good to then have a capable veteran puck mover on the third pairing as it is. Um, and and Middleton provides you know that physical stoutness that you know 
was not there on a pairing between Goligoski and Spurgeon. You know, like I said, Spurgeon's going to give you every pound that he's got, all maybe 170 pounds of it at most. But you know, at the end of the day, he's five foot, barely seven or eight feet. You know, five foot seven, five foot eight, 170 pounds. He's not going to be able to push out a six foot three guy that's screening a goalie like Middleton can. So. I think that makes them both better, and I think it makes the team better, even though for them it might mean a reduction in their role or kind of being found as the odd man out. Mm-hmm, for sure, yep. And I think that's a, it's, it's the right situation, I think, right now for the Minnesota Wild. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we'll jump into the next uh, next question here. Uh, you shared Ron, A.A. Ron. He says, well, I like Kakinen long-term compared to number 33. He was two six and one. Ouch! Since the beginning of February, and it goes against average nearly four in March. <laughs> I think the moves speak more to GM Bill Guerin's lack of comfort level with uh, I almost called him Kirill Kaprizov, Kapo Kakinen in that the the Wild have five back to backs in the final twenty two games and need two solid goaltenders. Yeah, I mean I kept thinking Kakinen ultimately was the better of the of those two, Kalbot yeah. and Kakinen, but. Well, I mean, it is what it is. Talbot gets less time, ends up playing better, so I feel good about it. I will miss Kakinen. There's always going to be that one feeling like what could have been, this and that, but mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with the move, though. Yeah, I I would say I agree with it for the most part. I, I, I do believe this move, in a way, is maybe more of a reflection of their belief in, in Kakinen than, than Talbot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that, you know, understanding both goalies where they're at in terms of their age and their career and their experience that I, I think that it's not just going to become Marc-Andre Fleury's crease. I think it is going to be a rotation, at least to start, at least for the rest of the regular season. And then from there, it might be, you know, a matter of writing the, writing the hot hand kind of the way we saw with, like, you know, I know this is eons ago, and it's a way different wild team, but that's kind of like mm-hmm. what we did with Manny Fernandez and Dwayne Rollison. Yep. You know, we, we found the hot hand, and then they carried us through. Each each one of them carried us through a series. Yeah, know? separate playoffs. And we wouldn't have got to the yep. Western Conference Finals if it hadn't been having both of them. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we needed. You know, it was unusual for teams to do that, but you know, that team was lucky they had that ability to do it. Yeah, absolutely. It was funny, too, how whenever one guy started to drop off, then the other guy would come in red hot, and then, mm-hmm. you know, then we'd come back, you know, those both three-to-one deficits and win the series. I love that. Wasn't that yeah. cool? Oh, oh that, that was awesome. a ton of fun. I, awesome memories, yeah. Yeah, a lot of nostalgia with that, and like I said, we're hoping to get back at least to where those, that team went. We have mm-hmm. never been even close to that since. Mm-hmm. Not at all, thanks to Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Teresa Ferries, welcome on board. She says, uh, so now that the Wild have essentially two starting goaltenders at Talbot and Fleury, will we see a regular rotation in starts? And, uh, yep, I mean, I, I think so, especially like the regular season, like you said, and maybe the playoffs. Yeah, yeah I, I would agree with what Teresa had to say. Um, yeah, yep. I, I have to, otherwise I get, have to sleep on the couch. That's my wife. So, yep. <laughs> um, but but no, I I mean, all in all seriousness, uh, she, I, I think that uh, I, I, think it, yeah. I think you want to do that. 
for two mm-hmm. reasons. One, you want to keep both engaged, and I, I think or I think that makes sense. I don't think you want to. I mean, we do have kind of a. I mean, the, let's face it. The team has the brutal stretch that it has because of the the COVID hiatus that it had for two months. Um, so it has a brutal stretch of games coming up, and I don't think you want to sit there and just ride one goalie hard all the way into that and then have the other one just sit there. And then if that yeah. one breaks down, then go, oh well, it's yours now. Good luck. Yeah, you that know? would be a mistake. Yeah. I think I think you want them both keep them ready to go, and not only that, you want to maybe have the potential to keep other teams guessing as to who's going to be there that night. You know, absolutely, yeah, yep. You know, because every goaltender is a little bit different. Um, you know, I, I realize that, you know, goaltending now is maybe more scientific than it used to be where it was maybe more based purely on athleticism and reflexes, but still, um, there is a little bit differences in style and whatnot. And, but I think having two guys makes, you know, teams have to prepare or think about it a little bit differently. And if that's something you can change up, um, I think that's to your advantage. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I can be like a, a duo threat. Mm-hmm. So, yep. So, as we jump into the next one, Music Geek uh, at Darth Icky 42, wild about hockey too, he says, uh, with with Capo out, and I love, absolutely love the gift there with Snoopy in the penalty box. I still remember that, uh, I still remember that uh, Peanuts, it was, I believe, a boy named Charlie Brown. That was, yep. that was cool. I, I, oh, I love those from the, from the good old days. Uh, with Capo out, we pick out a flower amongst a bunch of thorns. Yep. Now with two, yeah, they were thorns. Now with two somewhat uh, top-notch goalies, how much better are our chances of clinching the Central Division as long as the Avs and Blues keep up the momentum or keep the momentum? Do do you think we might actually pass up the semifinal round? I don't think we're going to win the division. It's one of those things because not only would we have to be red hot beyond belief, Colorado would have to like collapse because they're just too far ahead of, uh, but clinching, but in the playoffs, clinching the division, as they call it, you know, winning two rounds, I think it's, there's something. There's obviously a possibility at the end of the day. I feel somewhat optimistic going through this. I, I would agree. Uh, I don't think there's a chance for us to, to win the division in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you mentioned, Colorado's just built up too big of a lead. And, yep. and, and quite honestly, I don't think, I mean, I, I think that that's that's a that's a goal for the for the team to want to have as a, something to promote itself. I think that matters less than how you're playing going into the playoffs. I'd rather be playing very well than worried about whether I have another division banner up in my rafters. Um, but I, I think that uh, I think that uh, our chances of making out of the first round have definitely improved, and mm-hmm. at a minimum. So, because um, I wouldn't necessarily say that goaltending was going to be the reason we weren't going to make it, but goaltending and penalty killing certainly were the last few weeks have definitely been <laughs> an area of concern for the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think there's any denying that. You just can't uh, win when you're, you know, being scored on on the penalty kill almost 50% of the time. Oh, that's just, my. <laughs> that's, just, that's just not a sustainable thing. Um, so I, I think that should boost their confidence considerably. Um, and, but like, you know, like we said with the pick, it's, it's yeah. nuanced. So if, if 
this doesn't really amount to much and we end up being one and done, well, it's only a second pit round pick squandered. Mm-hmm. And and I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to throw that in there as a as a cheap ante for for that opportunity um, than I would be a first round pick where that's just a little more than I would want to go. But that I'm fine with what we we paid for what we're risking. Mm-hmm. Same here. Same here. So you shared uh, the beauty, I believe. Yep, the beauty. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, excuse me. I. Think not picking up a, a reliable. I think not picking up a reliable center will cost them in the playoffs. Winning at forty-seven percent won't help. I'm, yep, that means the face-off circle, right? Um, yeah. That it doesn't help. No, no question about that. I. That's. I mean, that's still an in, in area of concern. I'm hoping that uh, the other nuances we improved will will help at the end of the day, and maybe some guys can just step up at the right time. Yeah, well, yeah, please I, I win some I, I, Well, <laughs> I responded to this this, this, uh, this individual on on Twitter, mm-hmm. and and basically I said, you know, I'd rather be worried about one problem than worried about three problems. Mm-hmm. You know, where where if we didn't do anything, um, and we were worried still about our penalty kill, and we we're still worried about goaltending and faceoffs. I'd rather just be worried about just face-offs. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like we took steps to address those needs. Now, whether that completely fixes it or fixes it mostly, that remains to be seen. But I definitely feel more confident about that to be a, to actually be fixed. Um, as far as the draws go, yes, it, I realize that it's a possession game. But I also feel confident that this team has more ability to get the puck back. Whereas in previous years, especially when, as a team, we were a slower team, uh, especially with some of the dead legs we kept, getting the puck back was problematic because we just didn't have the legs to go and get it. And and, and some of that was the veterans that we bought out. Some of it was some of the people we let go. Um, but I definitely feel like there's more team speed. So losing that draw, I feel like we can not only – check people to get separate them from the puck and get it back but i also feel we have the the legs to chase it down so um i don't know i don't feel that's maybe as bad or as critical for our team as it would have been when we were a slower team and you know would struggle to get the puck back Mm -hmm. for sure for sure yep so we move on to the you shared cap friendly Trade deadline yep. summary, number of trades by team. Winnipeg was number one with five. Minnesota had uh, four trades. Minnesota, Arizona, New York Rangers, Sharks. Montreal and Ottawa had three. And then several teams had two and one, of course. So, <laughs> that, um, But, yeah, so I guess we were second with four trades during the course of time. That's kind of cool. Yeah, no one can say um, we didn't do anything. Yep, I agree. Yep, so I, it's it's nice to know that we were more active. So the next next one, if you're ready, is uh, Mike Wasik. Um, and then you uh, responded to him, but I'll, I'll read his first so it makes sure. uh, chronological sense. <laughs> he says, uh, I like all but the last statement. Golgoski went from just as good as Suter for less money to bench. How the mighty have fallen. Uh, and, yep, and I agree with what you say here, and I, I think, I'm guessing Mike does as well. 
He says, uh, or yeah, you said, his game has declined. I hope that he ends up on the third pairing where perhaps he'll play better with less minutes. And hopefully, yeah, kind of like Talbot being a backup instead of a, you know, struggling starting goaltender that we were overusing. Galagasi, a struggling top defense that we were overusing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I've been insanely frustrated with Galagasi the last month and a half. Well, and let's face it, the you know we when we were when we were playing one game a week like we were for about two months there, you know yeah you're you're gonna have plenty of energy for that game. But when it's literally every other day you're playing a game, that's a whole different level of grind. And especially I think if you're an older player, it puts a lot of strain on you. And um, you know at times, especially when Dumbo was out of the lineup. Um, <laughs> And the and the and our top four had kind of shrunk to a top three, and at times even just a top two. He was playing minutes that, honestly, he isn't really <clears throat> able to play anymore, and yeah. that just kind of adds. That kind of adds. It kind of further exposes <clears throat> maybe your lack of legs or, or 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 whatever it might be, your physical, you know, kind of deterioration. So, you know. Less is more in a lot of different ways. I, I felt, you know, even going back to the the days when we still had Suter, I, I I felt like we played him way too much. Although I think Suter played yeah. himself way too much. That's yes. the real way I feel about it. <laughs> G- um, GM GMRS, right? Instead yeah. of GMBG. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh. Yeah, pretty much. But you know, kind of that being said, is that sometimes you know. <laughs> being on the ice all the time isn't the best solution. And, mm. you know, he might be able to serve. He, I mean, he might be better for himself and better for the team by mm-hmm. playing on the third pairing. He really will. And, yep. um, you know, it, it, it happens. And, and I, I think it happens to anybody. I personally, I don't know, maybe if I'm, maybe I'm the only one that feels this way, but I think Spurgeon's been kind of suspect this year a little bit. I, I think at times, I've looked at him and haven't seen Oops. the same level of uh, jump and escape either. And, you know, he's he's a player that's above 30 now. And, again, that doesn't mean mm-hmm. that he's, like, uh, circling the, the toilet or certain, circling the drain um, at this point in his career. But at the same time, there's very few players that just are, are ageless and just continue to be the same. Uh, age is going to catch up to anybody. And um, sometimes that's when you got to dial down the minutes and then, you know, where you hope to get better quality shifts with less shifts, you know. Yes, yeah. Overusing anybody is not good. Yeah. That's why, you know, the old infamous yep. suitor was Gostolder, you know, and that, that kind of stuff mm-hmm. killed killed the team. Uh, yep. I, I can imagine being frustrated as hell if I was another defenseman, not just because I'm not playing as maybe as much as I probably should yeah. be, but because this guy is a selfish SOB and he's killing us, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd yep. be pissed. I'd be, I, yeah, like, a, you know, like I'd be or, cursing like Bill Guerin. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. like how, you know, if you're the if you're the defenseman or whoever it is that's supposed to go out there on the power play and he's just staying out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's. You know, and, and, that's and, and to I me, mean. the more we hear about this stuff, it sounds like that was what he did. Like, mm-hmm. I'm out here. I'm gonna be out here until I feel like coming in. Oh, oh. It make me so mad. Oh. oh, I hate that too. Yeah, trust yeah, me. I would be pissed. Yeah. 
Yeah, David jumps in. We're all uh, winding down at the last couple here. Uh, three, I guess. Uh, David says, thoughts on Middleton? Not a lot of chatter surrounding him, but it looks to me like we should be optimistic about this pickup. Do you think the Wild plan to sign him next year? I think probably, yes, uh, depending on how things go. Obviously, everything everything depends on how things go in the next few months here, but I would say why not? Uh, obviously, uh, he brings pretty much exactly what we need. I can't imagine him jacking the price up too high, so that's how I see that. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think uh, depending on... Uh, how it goes both at the end of the regular season and into the the postseason. If he if he performs well, I think I I think it sounds pretty realistic that they would would offer him a contract. Um, of course, the price point would be probably very uh, a critical element of that because cap space is finite. Um, yeah. But beyond that, I think that the interest level at least would be pretty high and maybe if they liked him so much it may prompt them to have to move other people because they would rather keep him around for that intangible that they like you know at least if we're hoping that he'll be the physical defenseman that we really have lacked for a long time um, Mm. that might be the, the critical element they find to be more important and thus maybe they look to jettison a Kulikov or a um, a Merrill, mm. even mm. possibly, if they like his game so much, they'd rather spend the money on him than them. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if that is the direction they go. They they got yeah. I don't think they're gonna keep both of those guys uh, going forward. Um, next one, you shared Anthony Krenz. I hope I'm saying that correctly. What? There we go. Exactly. What tough decisions do you see the Wild making this summer for salary cap reasons? I suspect we can't keep all the favorites. And, yes, and some of the other not-so-favorites like we were just uh, talking about, the Merrills, the Kulikovs, i got to think one of those two guys is gone. And, obviously, the Dumba-Fiala situation, one of those two guys is probably gone. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh depends on what goes on with Flurry and all that and how much he uh, could demand from the market and what he'd be willing to sign with here. I think Dalagoski is adios amigo. So that's pretty much where I lean. Yeah, I I think there's a lot of tough decisions to be had. Um, like if 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 Flurry and Talbot look good between the pipes, are you mm-hmm. tempted then to keep them? Yeah. Because yeah. you know I don't think you're going to throw Wallstead in as a backup goalie next year. <laughs> I yeah, I think you want him yeah. to see North American play at least a full season before you even think about that. One would yeah. think. Yeah. Um, risky. Yeah. You know, if not more. Uh, Usually two seems to be the golden amount of time that they want to, for somebody to season if you're a goaltender that's getting a lot of starts at the minor league level. But whatever, mm-hmm. I, I still think that the the Dumba slash Fiala scenario is really the biggest thing to watch for. Uh, mm-hmm. Fiala, I think from a fan perspective, more people, I think more and more are coming to the conclusion that having him around gives the wild two scoring lines, which that, you know, that there's a lot to be said for having two dangerous scoring lines. Uh, you know, in the past, Fala has been on lines where he literally felt like he was on a line by himself with two plumbers. Yep. And now he has a skilled partner really with Matt Boldy and 
Freddy Goudreau seems to be building more and more chemistry every game uh, between those two. Um, and I think that's something that the team would want to keep together if it can. Um, but then, of course, if, if you're going to keep Fiala, then you're going to have to lose Matt Dumba for sure. There's yeah. the only salary that could easily come off the books that could fill at least most of what you're going to have to pay to keep Fiala around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if Fiala is asking for eight million or more, yeah. you may not you may not even have a choice. That's game over. Yep. And you're going to have to yeah. just deal them and 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 cut your losses that way, which would be tragic, mm-hmm. given what's happened. And and that probably also maybe prompted the team's decision to to push to get with Flurry because maybe they realize this might be our best window for a couple years. Mm-hmm. That could you know, be the so, scenario, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a realistic uh, potential, you know, realistic uh, scenario as it is. And it's, you know, I would say enjoy it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The next three years or, or next three and a half years are going to be pretty pretty bleak when it's 12 and a half, or 12.7 and 14.7 mm-hmm. and dead money. Yep, amen to that. It's going to be very interesting. Hopefully they could, like I always called it, like programming an Atari game with, you know, 4K available, yeah. you know? <laughs> Trying to make E.T. in six weeks. <laughs> but um, I, I'm optimistic going forward, obviously concerned. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a pro Piala guy. Though Dumba's not been nearly as productive as some of us hoped. So, I mean, I've been a mm-hmm. big Piala backer. Piala's got a little special skill going on. So this last one isn't a question, it's a comment. Black Space, Sebastian Barton out of Mankato, Minnesota, unfortunately cheers for the wrong uh, college hockey team. In my opinion, I'm sure some of the listeners cheer for that team as well. There's only one college hockey team I like, only one. I'm a full golfer fan. <laughs> uh, he's also He also does a podcast called uh, God, Sex, Sin. God, Sex, Sin, highly recommend that. Awesome show. He opens up a vein, basically, as uh, was a Dan Barrero would use that uh, terminology. He says, is this as close to peak excitement for all Minnesota fans that we've ever had? Did the Twins uh, get Sonny Gray and uh, Mr. Correa there? That was insanely exciting last Saturday night, if I remember the timing. Wild get flurry, flurry and have a great team. Uh, Vikings run it back. That part I don't like. But with the offensive coach, I do like. And then 3-4-D, yep. Some very exciting signings there, including a familiar Green Bay Packer pass rusher. Yeah, uh, Gophers, yeah wasn't that cool? Oh, that's an exciting addition. As, as long as he's healthy and Daniel Hunter's healthy, there's there's that again, but both of them. But if they're yeah. both healthy, ooh. <laughs> Gophers, NCAA birth, Mavs, that is, of course, the Mankato, or Minnesota State Mankato Mavericks, NCAA birth. I love the NCAA hockey tournament. Yeah, I'm I, I I'm generally an NHL guy, but when it comes to college hockey and the tournament, oh my, I can't wait. Hmm. Well, to me, it's, if if we're talking about peak Minnesota excitement, mm-hmm. it's got to go back to like what ninety one, ninety two, or whatever. Yep. When oh, the Twins made it? the World Series, the the North Stars made the Stanley Cup Finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vikings oh. made it to what the NFC Championship game, and then to screw it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, against Washington or whatever. Oh, um, that was that was eighty seven. Oh, that so was eighty seven. 
Yeah, I, I wish you'll see up. Yep, so that well, was 91, uh, the 87 well, no, World 90, Series. Yeah, yeah, you're right. 91, 91 was uh, Super Bowl. 91 was, right. Yeah, that was Super Bowl when it was hosted here. That's yep. right. Yep. Uh, yep. But still, I mean, yeah. it has to be something along those lines. And obviously we don't know how far those are, all these teams are going to go. But the, if they can do something like that, then that would be it. In terms of players coming here together – uh, for all the different sports teams, it's probably got to be close to being up there where, you know, like we've had different teams make their different splashes, but not really all like in the same year. And um, that, that makes it probably the most exciting because you feel like everyone's getting something special. And um, there's reasons to be excited for all the different sports teams as opposed to, well, there's one team that's doing good. The rest are horrible. Um, oh, but again, yeah. <laughs> it's all it's all got to be reflected with success on the field or court or or ice. You know, it, you know, you can get all these moves, but until mm. until it it leads to some kind of special run or you know, knock on wood, mm. a championship. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. Then then it doesn't then it doesn't really matter that much. I mean, I, I would still say the 90-91 where the North Stars and the Twins was, I think, peak Minnesota, in my opinion. That was, yeah, that was, uh, that was the best the year. The Stanley yeah. Cup Finals and the World Series. Yeah, that was the best that, year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No well, doubt about that, that. Maybe all that really does, Joey, is it just outs that you and I are old. Yep, so yep, that's... That, yeah, 31 years ago, unfortunately. We're men in our 40s, so... Yep. <laughs> we just proved it. Yep, we're definitely not... Uh, I'm not born in any 90s. I'm not even born in the 80s. Yep, we're we're 70s, oh. boys. Yeah. That's right. I, at least we got to experience the whole 80s. That's what I like. Yeah, it's like, yes! <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, is that yep. it? Yes. Yep, that's it for the questions. So okay. then we can pretty much look to wrap this up here in about two minutes or so. Uh, I'm going to... Get the quick plug here to the Vigit application, or app. I keep calling everything fancy for full words here. Vigit, V-I-G-I-T. It's two separate words. It's on Android and Apple devices. It is a, it's it's basically fantasy betting. So basically jump on board with Apple and Android, like I said. So social media for sports bettors. You can post about your picks, see what others are saying about games. Vigit betting leads a month-long betting competition to see who the best sports bettors over the course of a month. Free to play sportsbook, bet free coins, win real prizes. Betting stats, there's great information on the Vigit Lifeline movement where the public is betting. Again, it is not real money wagering, it is just fantasy betting, but you can also use that uh you know, the uh the like line movement and all that. You can use that as a cheat sheet if you are actually betting too. So that's the cool part at the end of the day. Other than that, crypto.com, if you're interested, uh click on the link in the show description, it'll show that I referred you. And it will put $25 in your account and help this show and the other shows I do as well. Um, with that said, I just want to, yep, I mean, obviously, Derek, this has been absolutely awesome. Uh, I really love doing these with you. And I'm, I'm sorry it's not more often. Obviously, my weird schedule and uh, odd, odd different schedules and such. So uh, hopefully, we'll be able to do this more often in the future. Yeah, we'll have to try it like in the summer or something. Yeah, I think maybe sometime and even... For the hmm? end of school year, it all depends on how that goes, but yeah. No, mm-hmm. thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, and and I've, and I've said this on other podcasts, no offense, 
but I'll say it to you too. But thanks for giving fans a voice. Yeah. Uh, yep. Thanks for thanks for interacting with them and 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 sharing those things because uh, I realize that we have certain sports uh, media, especially uh, maybe a certain beat writer that kind of tends to dominate a lot of the conversation. But I think yeah. there's a lot yep. of insight. I think there's a lot of insight to be had from fans too. Mm-hmm. And um, you give them a chance to to ask those questions and, and respond. Um, you know, yeah. it's not always just a discussion about where you get your meat at Kowalski's. So yes. I, don't I, I think they'll appreciate yeah. that. So mm-hmm. that, if, if they if they know what, uh, if they know where that means, they, then they understand where I'm coming from on that. So, yes. anyways, yes. Uh, <laughs> thanks a lot for for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, yes, for sure. And I could go on all day about the, the whole people going on about their personal life crap. That's, oh, my God. <laughs> but, no, absolutely. It's been a utter pleasure having you on the show. It's been a biggie. It's been a biggie, so i got to put it together. Luckily, there isn't going to be too much editing, though. It's more just kind of putting it together. It's not like we stammered and we didn't have any. Uh, yep, and your, your uh, what is it, uh, Pixel book? That, that worked out yeah. awesome today. That worked out awesome. Yep, neither of us got kicked off. This is a newer laptop as well. So, because my other one exploded in late June last year. So, <laughs> uh, everything worked out great. Uh, thank you again. And we shall have you uh, probably as soon as the summer, eh? Sounds good. All right. For the draft uh, or something. For the draft, yep, for sure. So, everybody have a wonderful week. Hopefully, the Minnesota Wild can take care of business in the upcoming games. We didn't preview them because that's just, you know, this this was going to be a different show. We wanted to have a fun trade deadline show. Hope you don't mind. I'm sure you didn't. <laughs> the end of the day.